Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, thank God for Ohio State football recruiting and NFL free agency, or I would be losing my mind right now. Yeah, that makes the two of us, or should it maybe I just say the rest of the country of us. Uh, it's, it's kind of a very strange point in time where it's normally one of the busiest points in the year for sports, and we haven't exactly had much to talk about until Ohio State recruiting and Tom Brady gave us something, so... Thank goodness for football once more. Yeah, things I've been doing the past time when I'm not, you know, yesterday was nice because I was just able to refresh and then keep looking at the NFL free agency tracker, and there's been an Ohio State commitment every five minutes, it seems like. Um, when that's not going on, I've been watching a lot of stand-up comedy, a lot of stuff I've already watched, but watching it again, watching it for the third time, watching it for the tenth time. So but what are some things you're doing outside of the sports world to kind of pass the time? Uh, let's see here. Lots of old pro wrestling. Let's, I, I watched The Rock versus Mick Foley in an empty arena championship match last night. That was fun. Uh, we, we've been doing uh, puzzles in the Baxanel household. We just did a couple thousand piece puzzles. And other than that, trying to get my kids to not like hit each other with hockey sticks. So, uh, right. week one of an indeterminate number of weeks. So far, so good, I guess. Yeah, we played a game of Clue last night. My wife, my two daughters. I came away victorious, which is very rare in the game of Clue for me, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. All right, let's move on to actual topics of business here. Andre Turrentine becoming the 14th member in Ohio State's unbelievable 2021 recruiting class. We'll break down the, the numbers for you as far as like the points in the class and how close number two is and how great this class might end up being. But let's focus on Andre Turrentine for a moment, one of the top safeties in the country, high four-star kid, young man out of Nashville, Tennessee. Another great get for Kerry Combs, Ryan Day, and the Buckeyes. You know what's really funny is he's like the 136th overall rated recruit in America, which makes him the fourth worst recruit in the class. Isn't that hilarious? This is like an elite-level recruit that like half the other Big Ten schools would like fall over backwards and jump off a cliff to get. And Ohio State's like, yeah, he's one of the lower-rated kids in the class. I mean, that's how stupid good this class is. I think the average recruit ranking is like a 95 right now, which, if it holds up, would be the highest class in 24-7 sports history by a half a point in terms of average star rating or average recruiting point rating. Um, it's, it's hilarious how just amazing this class is. It's very reminiscent of the way the 2017 class came together with all those elite-level guys and we've seen how they've sort of powered the OSU program to some really strong seasons in recent years. So uh, needless to say, the, the commit run that started a few days ago and I don't think is over yet uh, has been a lot of fun to watch. I, I think one other thing, too, that I read somewhere was that if the class ended today and didn't add a single member, 
would have already finished in the top 10 of last year's classes, which many of which were in the 20s in terms of recruit numbers. So that should tell you how just ridiculously good this class is right now. Yeah, I, talk, I said I'd mention the numbers. Let's just mention them now. So right now, Ohio State has 268 points, recruiting points in their 2021 class. Number two in the country is Clemson with 220. The Buckeyes, 48 points ahead of Clemson, number two. Florida is the only other school in the country that's over 200. This class is unbelievable, and it's just going to get better. I mean, now the crystal balls are flying in for Ohio State to land Travion Henderson, number one running back in the country. And these aren't like random people that are putting in crystal balls. It's people like Steve Wilfong, the Dean Bill Curlick, Bill Bank Green. I mean, heavy hitters putting their crystal ball in for Travion Henderson. They already landed Evan Pryor the other day. You and I haven't even talked about that. Things have moved so fast. They landed Evan Pryor on Monday. Looks like they're going to land Travion Henderson. I don't know when, but when all those guys are putting in their crystal ball for Ohio State, I mean, to say it looks good is a vast understatement. This class is just going to get better and better, but your thoughts on Henderson perhaps joining this class? Well, I, I, let's talk about the running backs. Uh, first of all, last year we know how infamously Ohio State didn't land tailbacks, and whenever we all get back around to talking about this upcoming season, that's still a big concern for the fall uh, is the tailback situation. In fact, it's a bigger concern because you worry about how these guys are able to rehab their injuries, not being out of access to the Woody Hayes facility. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the, this year's recruiting class necessi- or necessarily needed two top-tier running backs. Evan Pryor is like the fifth overall tailback in the country, right? I mean, we would have killed to have a guy of that stature in last year's class. And right now we're looking at having two of the top five in the country. And realistically speaking, this is how good Ohio State's recruiting right now. Realistically speaking, I think they told Donovan Edwards, Travion Henderson, and Evan Pryor, we're taking two. Whoever the first two are, we don't care. We're taking two. And the way it's shaping up right now is it looks like Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor are going to be the two in this class. And Donovan Edwards is uh, not coincidentally tweeting pictures of himself in Georgia gear now, which also should tell everybody how much he didn't want to go to that school up north, even though he lives right down the road from it. So that's just insane with the running backs here. Um, this is like a Cadillac Williams-Ronnie Brown situation for some of the more old-school fans out there remembering whenever Auburn brought in two of the top five tailbacks of the country. This is something that was badly needed. Uh, and uh, by the way, I think Tony Alford's feeling was good as anybody right now. Um, but Dave, I want to I want to run a theory by you here. I think Ryan Day is really pushing on kids for uh, making decisions a little quicker this year. And I think particularly since this whole lockdown has happened, his coaches don't have much to do except chat with recruits from the safety of their own homes. So they're getting a a little bit more quality time with some of these kids that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise, especially while the rest of the country was a little behind us in terms of shutting things down. I think Ryan Day also sees the value in keeping the morale of the program high by getting on a recruiting run like this while everything's sort of slowed down and not just the program but the fan base and and those of us who care about Ohio State football at large is this is a unreal good thing for us to have as a distraction right now so I I think this is kind of calculated by Ryan Day I think the second that spring practice was shut down Ryan Day handed each of his coaches two extra phones and said get the texting and he's kind of shot off from there so uh, that's my running theory right now is, is that Ryan Day is trying to sort of push this class so they don't get burned like they did last year waiting on some kids, and also to keep the morale up. I think that's a great point. And if I'm a fan of, of a different team, I'm sitting around wondering, 
how come my head coach isn't doing that? How come my head coach isn't using this time, you know, proactively to, you know, just get a, get out ahead as far as recruiting? I think maybe a lot of coaches are thinking, okay, this is time to hunker down, kind of leave people alone. Ryan Day's taking the exact opposite tactic, and these kids, good for these kids too. I mean, if you're an Andre Turner team, you you're holed up in your house. All of a sudden, you got these images out, you know, on Twitter. Everybody's showing you a lot of love. You become a Buckeye. I mean, it's kind of it's nice for these kids too. But I completely agree with you with Ryan Day. I think he is. You know, this is a concerted effort. This is not, a, you know, a uh, coincidence that this is happening. What happened last year with them getting burnt, plus with us basically being on lockdown right now. We're not quite on lockdown, but it feels like we're getting to that point. He really is taking advantage of it. you got to wonder what fans of other schools are thinking. Like, well, how come our coach can't do that? Hey, guys, how come Jim Harbaugh isn't recruiting right now? Is he busy just buying more milk so he doesn't run out of milk? I mean, like, let's be honest here. Uh, the, the, this is... Uh, if I'm a fan of a lot of other schools, I'm looking at Ohio State with extreme envy right now. But I also think that, let's just face it, not everybody's as good a recruiter as the staff Ohio State has. Remember how Urban used to always talk about how he wants a coach that can recruit first and then coach second? Like, he used to say that a lot because if you can't recruit, you can't coach. That was his attitude, right? And what we're seeing with this Ohio State staff of assistant coaches is our, they certainly can coach. We've seen that. But my goodness, can they recruit? And if you look at the list of kids that are still sitting out there that have heavy, heavy Ohio State interest, it's I, I always bring up the old NCAA video games because I know a large portion of you all love them as much as I do. But if you ever played the NCAA video games, you get into dynasty mode. And after a couple of years, the top teams that consistently win a ton with the way that the like rating system would work for each of the schools would start just loading on five stars and top four star kids because the top recruits would gravitate to just a couple schools. And I always thought it was a glitch in the system uh, back, you know, in 2007, 2008, 2010, or whatever, right? But looking at it now, what are all the top recruits across the country doing, regardless of geography? They're gravitating to just a couple programs. It's Ohio State, it's Clemson, it's Alabama. You know, those are the schools that, to a lesser extent, Georgia. Those are the schools that the 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 if we're living in a simulation, our real-life NCAA video game has popped the ratings to a certain extent that, you know, the Ohio States and Clemson's of the world are the ones who are getting kids from everywhere, regardless of geography. Flip side of that is is that some of those schools that maybe were getting more kids in the past, their ratings would start dipping when they started falling off a cliff, and all of a sudden they couldn't get anybody. They couldn't get the in-state kids that normally would be going to their program under the initial setup of the system. Well, that's what's happening with that school up north. I mean, let's face it. The top three kids in state are finding excuse, they're trying to find excuses to not go in state, right? And I, I firmly believe that if it pans out that Ohio State was getting Travion Henderson, um, then Edwards is only not going to OSU because the spots at the running back position filled up. And he's going to end up at Georgia in all likelihood. So there's another example of just, I don't know what Jim Harbaugh is doing in recruiting. It's literally the opposite of what Ryan Day and his staff are doing, though. And I think we should take advantage of this time to just enjoy it. Because right now, if we're living in a simulation, it's working out really well for Ohio State. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I was a big Madden fan. I don't know why I, I stopped playing. Oh, I know why. I had kids. That's that's what happened. Um, we ended up having some kids. That's what did it for me with Madden. Trey Sermon. I don't think you and I talked about Trey Sermon yet. We had wondered if the Buckeyes were going to tap into the grad transfer market. Trey Sermon was not in that market last time you and I talked about it. Now he is. He is coming off a torn ACL, for those who don't know. 
Uh, he, you know, when he was at Oklahoma, he tore his ACL on November 9th, 2019, same day that Marcus Crowley tore his ACL. So he's coming off the ACL. I still think this is a perfect fit for both sides. He'd be eligible immediately. It would not affect 2021 running back recruiting because he just has one year left. They need depth. He's not a guy that's going to want to carry the ball 25 times a game coming off a knee injury. This feels like a perfect fit. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's going to happen. Just your thoughts on Trey Sermon perhaps becoming a Buckeye. Yeah, if it wasn't for the ACL tear, this would be a, like a perfect case scenario. Uh, but even with the ACL tear, this is a guy who ran for 2,000 yards in his career. He's got like 25 career touchdowns at a big-time school like Oklahoma. He's been in a playoff situation before. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, when he came to OSU in, against us in the horseshoe, he scored a touchdown. He had a big game. Um, this is this is a, this is exactly what you're looking for. You got one year of eligibility left. Who can come in and contribute immediately? not affect your future in the recruiting cycle. I, I think Trey Sermon's a guy who, like, let's face it, if it wasn't for the injury, I think everybody would be falling over backwards to get him. I don't know if he'd be available if it wasn't for the injury. But he's transferring because he wants to play. And I think he knows there's good depth at Oklahoma. So if you're OSU, you bring, I think you bring him in even with the injury. And my thought process behind that is, if you have two guys you're worried about getting out of injury, don't you want to have another option? I'd rather have three guys rehabbing from injury that increases my odds of one of them at least turning out to be healthy enough to be a major contributor for the year, right? You know, it's it's like fishing. you got to throw in the, the line in more times. Every, the more times you throw the, the line in the water, you're likely to come out with a fish. So you give me another talented guy who's rehabbing from injury, that gives us at least another opportunity to have a, a, a bell cow back emerge from that sort of situation. Uh, Sermon's a great player, and if he's remotely healthy by the time the season starts, then Ohio State's in great shape uh, at the tailback position. But, again, this is something that I, I think this is a story, and I've, I've already written a bunch about this for this weekend's Bucket of Bullets, spoiler alert, but you have to really wonder how this is going to affect the rehabilitation from injury that a lot of people are having across college football. You have to affect, wonder how this is going to affect them training when they're not able to train in a normal spring setting. Are we going to have a year where there's even more injuries in college football because people haven't been able to properly train for the rigors of the sport? So, you know, that's a concern right now, the rehab stuff for sure. Um, you have to hope that this lockdown that we're dealing with here in Ohio doesn't last prolonged or, you know, it's going to really affect things beyond the big picture stuff. It's going to affect littler things like, you know, how, how well can Master Teague rehab his Achilles when there's nobody to rehab with? And you can only do so much at-home rehab especially when you're quarantined from other people. So that's something I think is going to really be a big story in college football this year. But, you know, assuming that the rehab for those guys is able to go through, Trey Sermon's a home run. Tom Brady, you mentioned it earlier in the show. Wow. I mean, it wasn't like as shocking as it would have been if there weren't already rumblings that he might be leaving New England, but still, that was that was still shocking to some degree yesterday when, it, you know, when everybody learned that he's going to be a Tampa Bay Buck your thoughts on Tom Brady. And this, you know, Joe Montana did it. Michael Jordan did it. You know, legends that finished their career off with a different team. Brett Favre, we've seen this many times before. It's going to be weird. Um, do you think it'll work? And just your thoughts on Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Bucks? I mean, I'm going to take great joy in Tom Brady saying, go Bucks." But um, <laughs> I think I think this is Tom Brady, uh, you know, his Freudian inside coming out. He's always wanted to wear a scarlet jersey and a silver helmet. Um now he's finally getting his chance. Uh, <laughs> end of the day, uh, as uh, one of the uh, Steeler Nation folks on Bucknuts, I'm thrilled that Tom Brady is not in the AFC anymore. I don't want to have to deal with him 
Uh, it certainly makes that conference very interesting beyond the Chiefs. But I think Tom Brady got fed up with not getting paid very much over the years with the Patriots. I think he got really fed up with the Patriots not really adding around him the way he wanted, especially at the receiver position. Uh, now he has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to throw the ball to. So if he has anything left in the tank, you're going to see it because uh, those guys are really good. And the other thing about Tampa was is that they weren't terrible last year. Jameis Winston just threw 40 touchdowns, or, and then he threw 40 interceptions or whatever the crazy number was, right? Uh, like – he was your first 40 for 40 guy in the NFL or 30 for 30 guy or whatever. Right. Uh, I remember I had him on my fantasy roster. Um, and I always would look at my bench and I'd be like, man, James Winston threw for 450 yards and four touchdowns and seven interceptions or something insane. So maybe Tampa could have a really good year with a quarterback who doesn't just give the ball away to the other team. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think this is about Tom Brady having done everything he possibly could in terms of salary to help the Patriots load up. And in his eyes, them not doing enough to help him, uh, particularly the recent last year. Um, I, I think that I read somewhere in the last five years, he's like the 13th or 14th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And that the Patriots weren't even willing to offer him like salaries compared to half the teams in the league that were chasing him. So I'm not surprised he left. Um, I also think the Patriots aren't going to be very good without him. Who the heck are they going to have a quarterback? And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we all know, remember examples of players leaving their team that they're going to be associated with forever. Uh, you know, you mentioned Joe Montana and the Chiefs. Uh, Franco Harris and the Seattle Seahawks is another one, right? There's there's examples of guys that just shouldn't be in other uniforms. And Tom Brady as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer is certainly one of those ones where you go, really? So we'll have to see. I mean, then again, if the guy legitimately wants to play to 45, he's got, what, three more years? So uh, I guess Tom Brady is uh, fixing his earlier mistakes and is going to go out in style wearing scarlet and gray. So uh, my only hope is that there's lots of Buckeyes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so that he has to actually wear correct scarlet and gray jerseys uh, every year when Michigan loses the game. Uh, the image of him wearing that Vrabel jersey is just awesome. Vrabel's Ohio State jersey while he's warming up in his – He's got his Patriots helmet on. This is years ago, obviously, when him and Vrabel were teammates. And he's out there with the Vrabel 94 jersey on, throwing his passes. That's just uh, one of the best images of all time. Great stuff from the People's Champ, Matt Bax and I. I appreciate it, Bax. And thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!